You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the libero position. We're going to talk about the rules of the libero, responsibility, strategies, how to use a libero in a match. So whether you're a beginner coach who's thinking about using a libero or you're an experienced coach, this is definitely an episode for you as we're going to cover a ton of information about the libero. So it's an episode you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 91 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? To my new listeners, welcome to the podcast. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Thank you for finding this podcast and uh, and tuning in. And hopefully, you know, the goal of every single episode is to try to deliver some sort of value, some tangible thing that you can take back to your gym and apply right away. And for my regular listeners, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. You know, I appreciate all of you for you know tuning into every episode, well, as many episodes as you have. And today, again, we're going to try to deliver some value, and we're going to talk about the libero position. Uh, but before we get into that, just want to thank everyone for coming out to my coach's workshop that I, I, I held last weekend. It was great. We had over 300 coaches that, were, that came out that participated. Um, It was incredible. We talked about offense and it was a really good vibe. I I actually tried to use a different uh, webinar uh, software this time around. It seemed like everyone had a great time with it and it was really cool. We brought on, I brought, I even brought up a coach on stage to share a drill with some of the people that attended. Like it was, it was such a good vibe. So if you were, uh, if you were an attendee, thank you so much for coming out. I really appreciate it. And I hope you you got some value and you learned some things about offense that at the end of the day can, can help your team. And um, we also opened up Digital Volleyball Academy, which I'm super excited to welcome the new group of coaches who are eager to learn, who are eager to grow and take their coaching to the next level. And I'm so excited to get a chance to get to know you, work with you, and really take your coaching, well, open up your mind to a whole new area of coaching that maybe you haven't thought about before. And thank you for trusting me to be that mentor to guide you into that that path of success. So I appreciate all you guys. Um, And if you missed out, that's okay. You know, there's always going to be workshops in the future. Um, I think my next one might be in May sometime. Uh, and if you missed out on getting inside DVA and enrolling inside Digital Volleyball Academy, uh, that's okay. Head on over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com, sign up for that wait list. And when doors are open, you will definitely, definitely uh, get a chance to, to, to get in. And if you're not sure what Digital Volleyball Academy is, just want to let you know, it's my signature membership where I get to really welcome coaches from all around the world into my world. Get them get you get access to my gym, what we do inside our gym and practices, film sessions, uh, all our scouting reports, you know, um, what we say in timeouts and you get access to all my courses that I've created based on all the positions of our game. In addition to, you know, the coaching calls, we jump on coaching calls twice twice a month or I engage in live training and Q&A and it's a really great um, experience for coaches. It's a it's an amazing academy that I created about two years ago um, to serve a need. You know, when I was a young coach, 
I didn't have the opportunity to, to have a mentor um, at such at an early age, and it, it hindered my growth until I finally found a mentor. And I, and I know that mentorship is the number one way to fast track your growth as a coach, to solve problems that you currently have in your gym, and just to be a part of a community. You know, it's always nice to be a part of a community with coaches that are going along the same journey as you are. So that's what it is. Uh, it's it's my I love talking about DVA because I'm so I'm so proud of what the academy has, has become. And our members inside are the best coaches in the world. They're amazing people, and, and we're there to help each other grow. So it's, it's an amazing, amazing place. So yeah, so we welcome new people, and you know I'm super excited about it. And a little bit, um, for those of you that have been following along my season, you know, we had a we had a fantastic game on Friday. Well, I really I wouldn't really call it a fantastic game, but um, it was it was interesting because of COVID here in Canada. We've had such condensed seasons, and because of the condensed seasons, you know, anything can happen in the ranking. And we were we went into uh, to Friday's game tied in first. We uh, us and a team called Georgian were the only teams with one loss, uh, and. Well, actually, we weren't the only teams. There was three teams with one loss. But basically, the winner of that game would solidify first place um, going into the playoffs. So it was an important game for us. And Georgian was light out. They put a beating on us so bad. Our, our guys just, you know what? And, and not to discredit Georgian's performance, but you know, 10 out, of 12, 10 out of our 12 players are rookies. They've never played this game at a varsity level. And it showed it the inexperience we started off the first set down seven nothing i mean it was it was just it was too bad they fought they tried but georgian's talent experience and the fact that they played one of the best games they played all season it it just was too much for our guys and it was a great learning experience for them but you know what sucks is that we took the l in that match competing for first place and because of the way that rankings worked because we had one loss now we had two losses and since we were there was a three-way tie for that first place position we actually dropped to fourth place it's incredible how quickly we went from first to fourth and uh and we have our so we had we had finished off the record it's a really short season a record of six and two and we have our first playoff game next week Thursday which we have home court advantage which is nice but man it is unbelievable how fast one, like it, within an hour we went from first to fourth it, it's, uh, it's it's unbelievable but anyways i digress let's um let's get let's get on with today's episodes cuz let's talk about the libero position so with this libero position i want to i want to talk about a couple things let's uh, i want to talk about the rules first cuz the rules are important so if you're an experienced coach you may already know some of these things but it's a good reminder and it, and if you're new you know this is this is good for you to know so let's talk about i won't talk about all the rules but i'll talk about the main ones um so the main rules uh we're going to talk about is basically what is a libero well a libero is a designated back row player and the purpose of the libero is to pass and play defense essentially so they are designated back row, and the libero can replace any player in the back row. Okay, so they're they're like they're designated defensive players, only playing in the back row, and they can replace any player in the back row. What's also important to note about about a libero is they cannot complete an attack hit from anywhere, including the free zone, if at the moment of contact the ball is entirely higher than the top of the tape. So essentially what that means is your libero is not jumping and attacking the ball from anywhere. 
They can't do that. They're not allowed to attack the ball. Now, the general rule of thumb is if, you're, if your libero is going to overhead contact the ball, so, you know, maybe swing above their head, their feet have to be on the ground. And that in, that in itself should prevent the, the ball being contacted higher than the top of the tape. Now, if you're high level of volleyball, you're like six, seven, it can be construed as an attack, but generally speaking, refs don't, they, they let that go if it's a down ball and, you know, the ball wasn't at its apex. So even though your feet are on the ground, the ball wasn't, you weren't fully extended on contact. They, they, they normally let that go. So just be aware the feet on the ground is the best way to save that. And also a libero cannot serve a block or attempt to block. Okay, so they can't do those three things. I know a lot of times uh, I've seen liberos actually get caught in the front row and they put their hands up at the net and on their toes almost and they're, they're, they're on the ground, but they're participating in a block. You're not allowed to participate in a block. If you do, it's a violation. Now, in certain leagues, I know my friends in the US, your liberos can serve, which is really nice. I, I, I think that, that you're going to start seeing that uh, practiced in other countries as well where the libero can start serving because i think it's you know i think it's great i think it's great yes they can't attack in front row but let, let let them serve why not i like that especially the younger age group when we're developing players i think it's a great thing for liberos to be able to serve um but that's just my personal opinion um now some rules some people you may have uh two liberos allowed in some leagues like in our league for example here in ontario we're allowed two liberos so that's something that you might want to play around with and the libero position um, the color of the jersey, just just so you know, it's that you ever know the color of the jersey is always different. Well, it has to be in contrast. So if your if your uh, team's jerseys are all blue with white writing, then your libero jersey will be all white with blue writing. So just to contrast, okay. So that's how you would designate the libero jersey, and that's how everybody knows who the libero is. Pretty straightforward. Now another thing to note about the libero is that the the uh, substitutions. Are not counted, so or sorry, rather there there really aren't substitutions. They're considered replacements. That's a better word for it. A libero is a replacement, not a substitution. So it doesn't go on the score sheet. It's not counted as a substitution, and they are unlimited. Meaning, a, a libero can go in and out as many times as they want. Now, here's the key: a libero. Let's say, for example, your libero comes in, and this is the most popular situation. The libero is going to come in for the middle. Normally, your left sides are going to stay in. Your setter, obviously, is going to stay in. Um, and your opposite, your right side hitter is going to stay in. So normally, the libero comes out, come, takes the middle off. So let's say that your libero um, is in the game, and they're about to rotate to the front row because they replace the middle. So as soon as they rotate to the front row, they're going to come off, and that middle is going to come back in. Now, the libero can't come back in right away. They have to wait for one rally to occur before they come in and take another player out. So the libero can't leave the court and come right back on until one sequence is completed. Now, don't get confused when I say the word rally. Rally just means the referee blows the whistle to initiate serve and the serve attempt is made. Whether there's an error involved, whether they get a serving error, whether they get whether it's an actual rally, whatever the case is, that is that is considered a rally. So the referee, the referee blows the whistle to initiate the serve and a serve attempt is made. Then after that happens, when the play is dead, a libero can come in and take anyone they want out. And 
and I and I want to make sure I'm clear about this because sometimes you know referees make a big deal out of this, but. When the libero is taking a player off the court, so when they're replacing a player, you have to do it in the libero substitution zone. Or either, it's not called the substitution zone, it's called the libero replacement zone, I apologize. And the libero replacement zone is between the attack line and the end line. So they can come in the court anywhere in between the attack line and the end line. They can't enter the court from the substitution zone because like we mentioned earlier, it's not a substitution. So the substitution zone is the area between the center line, the midline uh, of the volleyball court separating both teams and the attack line. That's a substi- That's where you normally make your subs and the libero can't go there. So it have to be behind the attack line and in front of the end line. Okay. So that's, that's pretty much the, there's one more rule that I want to talk about, but those are the major rules. Um, but the last rule that I want to talk about isn't actually talked about enough is the libero setting rule. So here is the thing about the libero setting. So up, if the libero sets the ball in front of the attack line with their fingers, okay? So the libero has overhand fingers and they set the ball when any part of their foot is above the attack line, the attacker cannot attack the ball. The attacker has to play the ball below the tape in order for it to be legal. If the attacker plays the ball above the tape, it's a violation. Now, if the libero sets the ball overhand fingers behind the attack line, then your attackers can attack the ball. They can jump, swing, do whatever they got to do. But a libero is not allowed to set the ball above the attack line with their hands to lead to an attack, okay? Now, here's a question for you. Why do you think that is? Why do you think the libero is not? By the way, the libero can forearm bump, so they can bump the ball up in front of the attack line to initiate that set and get a kill. No problem, they can do that, but they can't use their hands. Any idea why? Think about that. I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about it. Why can't the libero hand set the ball above the attack line? Well, the answer is this. If your libero was allowed to run, um, to be, be basically be able to set above the attack line, then guess what? You will have three hitters all the time. You could have a libero setter, essentially. And you will always have three front court hitters because the libero is a designated backcourt player. So by the libero coming up and down to set the ball, that's fantastic. You will always have three hitters. And that is obviously giving you an advantage. So because of that, the libero cannot have overhand um, setting above the attack line. All right. That's the major reason at that. Okay. So those are the major rules that I wanted to talk about when it comes to the libero. Um, now let's talk. Now let's talk about just where to place your libero. Okay. So in terms of placement, now here's the thing: you can place them wholeheartedly anywhere you want in the back row in position five and six. That's kind of where I, I tell most coaches that they're going to place them. And the biggest question I always get is, well, where do you place them? Do you place them in five or do you place them in six? And the answer to that is, it depends. Okay. So. I want you to ask yourself, are you running a pipe offense? Meaning, is there an attacker coming out of position six to run a backcourt attack? If there is, then you may not want your libero in six because how is the pipe hitter going to swing out of five? Unless that is the type of offense you're willing to run. Where, And I, I've seen a lot of teams do it, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's called an A-ball, where the backcourt hitter 
will approach out of position five and hit that backward attack. You can absolutely do that. That's one option. Uh, but normally when players, well, more, more so in the men's game, when they're running their pipes, they're going from position six. Okay, so that's one thing you got to think about is do you want to run a backward ball out of six? Therefore, your libero is going to go to five. Or do you want to run a backward ball out of five in which your libero can go to six? Is it interchangeable? You know, you got to make that decision. The other thing to think about as well is in your league, now look at your league. Now, depending on your league, it might be different. But where do majority of the swings come from? Do Or sorry, not come from, but rather, where do the majority of your swings go? So normally, you know, especially in the younger age group, you're going to get a lot of left side heavy balls. Right? A lot of teams, left side heavy, very, very common, you know, youth play. Left side, left side, left side. Well, where do those left side swings go? Do they go to five predominantly or do they go to six predominantly? You know, what does that look like? And that may tell you maybe you want to have our bearer in that position. This could be on a game by game basis, in fact. Maybe your, uh, your, the team you're playing is known to, you, you did your scouting report and you saw the hitting tendencies are always to six. Well, maybe then you're going to have your best defender, which is in theory your libero, out of six. So these are things you have to ask yourself. Now, the great thing about our sport, listen, is there's no right or wrong answer, to be quite honest. This is your design. You know, volleyball by design. That's why I love the name of this podcast. It is your design. You design where you want your libero and you come up with a rationale as to why. I just gave you things to think about. Your philosophy could be completely different than what I said, but it's just things to think about, okay? I actually know one of the best teams in Canada, um, Trinity Western, it's a university out in British Columbia. Best teams in Canada. They've been the, one of the best teams in Canada for the last couple of years. They run a pipe ball where the libero is in six. So they, they, it's, it's absolutely, you can do that. You can absolutely do that. But again, you have to know your team. You have to know what kind of pipe ball you're running, how your system's working to make tech, to make that decision. So just some things to think about for you guys, all right? Okay, let's move on. The other thing I wanted to talk about is libero setting, okay? Another big concept is are you going to have your libero set? So let's, I want to I give you an idea here. So a lot of coaches will always say that the right side will set. Well, let's talk about this. Sorry, let me backtrack here. The reason we talk about libero setting is what happens if your setter takes the first ball? Okay, so let's start with that. Your setter takes the first ball. I've seen many coaches say that if the setter takes the first ball, the right side will be the secondary setter. I've seen coaches say if the setter takes the first ball, the middle will be the secondary setter. I've seen coaches say if the setter takes the first ball, the person in position six, the backcourt left side, will take the second ball. And then you have the libero setting. So there are many different ways you can do this. This is going to be entirely up to you. I'm just going to share a perspective with you. And this is what we practice. You may disagree and want to practice something else. And guess what? That is okay. So what we do in our gym is we, well, our philosophy is that the libero is the only player on the court who cannot attack the ball. They're the only player on the court who cannot attack the ball. And they're generally the one, they're generally the best ball handlers on your team because they have they're, they're responsible for defense. They're responsible for defense, ball control, things like that. So they generally have the best ball control on the team, which means they can put the ball in great positions for your hitters to attack. So 
Because of those two reasons, we like the libero to have the second ball. And when the libero has the second ball, we have the opposite is an option, the left side is an option, and as the very, very, very last option is your pipe ball, your backcourt attack. So that's the first reason why I don't want the opposite, my right side, to take the ball is because your right side is a front court attacker. We want them to be ready to swing. We don't want them to be passing or, or rather setting the ball. We want them to swing. Same, same rationale for my front court left side, why our front court left side would never take the ball. We want them to swing. So both our front court left side and right side, they're attackers first. And that's what we want. To add to, to the, uh, the conversation, you know, a lot of people have, you know, say that, well, on an out of system, on a ball where the setter takes the first ball, chances are you're not going to set a backcourt attack. You're not going to set a pipe ball. And that's true. There is absolutely truth to that. So if you feel like you're six back, your player in position six has better ball control and will make a better offset, then that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Because you've made the call, you've made the decision that our pipe ball is not going to be an option anyways, so let's have our better ball handler take the ball. And the same argument can be used for middle. The middle attack is not going to not gonna get set on an out-of-system ball, or when the setter takes the first ball, there's no way the middle is going to get set. So if that's what's going to happen, and it's true, there are there's a, a, not a high probability that the middle is going to get set. So if they have good ball control, they're already front court, they can set a left side, right side, or pipe. So these are the questions that I want you to ask yourself, okay? Because it's really important to have these types of discussions with your coaching staff or just you in general to know where you stand. So ask yourself, who has the best secondary setting, if you want to call it that? That's I would I would keep opposite out of it completely, but I would look at your middle, your backcourt person in six, and your libero. Who has the best hands that can take the ball? And put your left side and right side in the best position to set. Also, remember too, your middle and your and your player in position six, they can use their hands to set above the attack line. Your, your libero can't. So again, other things you need to consider when you're doing that, but this is a conversation that is worth having. Okay. It's also note to it's also something to note too. As liberos, by the way, when you're training your libero, if your libero wants to play high level volleyball, one of the requirements or one of the things that they get tested on is their setting ability. And I've spoken to a lot of liberos who go into tryout for that position, and they're always asked to see their setting. So it's something that liberos are expected to be able to do at the higher level. So whether or not you believe that they should be setting on your team and in your system, if you're going to try to train them to do great things and move on to the higher level, it, you still want to train them by using their hands. Okay, so just want to make that clear. You want to train the setter, or sorry, the libero to have that 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 set. Okay. So we talked about libero setting, we talked about where to place your libero, we talked about the player uh, rules regarding the libero, and let's just talk about a couple more things, um, and then we're going to wrap it up here. So the libero responsibility, the first responsibility of the libero, and where you're going to spend most of the time training your liberos, is serve-receive. Serve-receive is by far the most important job of a libero they have to be able to serve receive and i would i want my libero to be confident i want them to be able to take both seams take majority of the court like 40 to 45 percent of the court and be able to pass that with confidence the second most important job of the libero is to dig and play defense and by the way when it when i say dig and play defense i i mean not just digging attacks 
Yes, the libero is responsible for digging a ball that's being driven from an attack, but a dig also, I don't know if you know this, but a dig also comes from if your attacker swings into a block and the blockers block it back on your side, that's libero's job to dig that. To pop it back. You know how we talk about covering your hitters? Well, your libero's job is to cover the hitters exceptionally well, especially the left side, and be able to pop that ball back up. And guess what? That ball is a dig. If it's if your attacker attacks the ball off the blocker's hands, back on your side of the court, and your libero gets the ball back up, that is considered a dig. Okay? And when we're training the libero, okay, when we're training the libero on serve-receive on defense, well, not not service but when we're training the libero on defense, it's important to not only work on two-hand digs, but one-hand digs as well. The amount of times libero gets one-hand digs is incredible. It happens quite a bit because think about it. Think about it this way: your libero is getting balls that where middles are swinging quicks, fifty ones, where there's not enough time to get two hands on the ball. Sometimes you just got to get one hand, but. The question is, does your libero know how to dig with one hand? Do they have their palms up, forearm up, bicep up, so that if the ball hits any part of their body, it's going up onto our side of the court and not up and out? So training the one-hand dig is important. Training the two-hand dig, digging off the block, serve-receive, setting, all important responsibilities of your libero. And the last responsibility of your libero is to control the free balls. They are the free ball controller on your side of the court. Now, they don't have to be everywhere, but if it's a free ball and your libero can get to it, I want my libero taking all of those balls, providing they're in a position where they can actually get it. If they're in a position where they can't, then obviously your other players are more than, you know, they're more than capable of stepping in and taking it. But we want to have our liberos control the free ball. And not only control the free ball, but do it with confidence. You know, I always tell our liberos to make sure that when the free ball is coming over and you are in the position to get it, you better let your teammates know. Call them off. You know, mine, I go, my ball, whatever you want to call it. Let them know and let them know early so that now they know my libero is taking it and then they can get ready to, to swing. Because we want all players on deck swinging. That's why it's nicer when the libero takes the first contact or any free balls instead of other players so they can focus on their job. You know, your attackers can focus on attacking. Your setter can focus on getting ready to set the ball and things like that. So that's why I like when our liberos take the free ball. And I think I'll, I'll end off on the one last note here. So we talked about the rules. Um, we talked about where to place your libero, libero settings, and res- libero re- responsibility. Uh, one thing I also want to mention too is your libero. Yes, they have to be able to pass, side out, and you know, set defense, all that stuff. But your libero is going to be a student of the game when it comes to film. I want your libero to be charted when you guys are playing in a ma- like an upcoming match or an upcoming tournament, and you have film. By the way. Everyone should be doing this, but it's it's especially important for your libero to chart the serving tendencies of every single player that plays in a match. So what we'll what we'll do is we'll have you know six different rotations. So we'll have a, a little volleyball court, six volleyball courts representing six different rotations. And when number fourteen goes up to serve, wherever he serves, so let's say he starts in one and serves to one, we'll draw an arrow from one to one. Let's say he does it again, one to one, does it again, one to one, does it in six, one to six, and we'll draw these lines, these arrows, and when you get a chance, when you when you do the whole match, you'll get to see amazing tendencies. You'll see exactly where they like to serve, 
what kind of serve they like to do, and that will better prepare your liberos for the for their tournament, for the match, because they would have seen it so many times. They would have tracked it. They would embrace it. They would see. They would like visualize it. They can see it, and that is such an important skill to have, not just for your libero, but for your entire team. But when it comes to serve receive, your libero is going to be because that's their only job. As well, one of their only jobs. They're more imp- their most important job. So that's something that I really encourage your liberos to get into the habit of doing teaching your liberos to have that type of mentality and then even if you don't have film when you get to your tournament have your libero charting teams in which you are going to play this, the same day now it you know i know it seems like work but you know are you do you as coaches do you want to put your team in the best position to win do you want to put your libero in the best position to be successful at passing the ball and i would i would imagine you'd say yes so yes i know tournaments are fun and they want to hang out with their friends and things like that and that's cool if you're okay with them hanging out with friends and knowing that you you didn't put a hundred percent in, um, not to not to down talk to you here. I'm not trying. I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative, but I, I I'm a competitive coach. I'll just be real with you guys. I'm a competitive coach. So if I'm going to a tournament where the objective is to win, then I want to do everything in my power to help my team be put in that situation to win. And by doing things that we can control, such as our homework doing serving charts and things like that, that is what's going to give you that little advantage. Anytime you have an opportunity to get an advantage in a match, I can't imagine why you wouldn't take it. So that's that's where that, that comes from. So serving charts, really important. Okay, so let's just recap real quickly here. We talked about the rules of the libero position in terms of, you know, they can't attack. They're a back row player only, um, you know, making sure they're not setting with their fingers above the attack line leading to an attack, uh, making sure they're behind the attack line when they want to use their fingers, you know, things like that. We talked about where to place your libero. So whether you're going to place your libero in position five or position six is is going to depend on you as a coach, your philosophy in terms of your system, as well as maybe where a majority of the balls go in a game. We talked about libero setting and why we like our libero to set, but we also talked about other options you can consider. So that's going to be up to you, coaches. And then we talked about the uh, the libero responsibility. You know, one hand digs, two hand digs, um, off the blocks or receive film setting, etc. So this is a really just just a crash course on things to focus on with the libero position. And I do also want to mention if you are a DVA member listening to this. I did an entire live training on the libero position where we dive even deeper into the libero position and I have my clipboard where I show you where liberos go and positioning and I I talk about the structure of the game and and the flow of how liberos work. I I dive a lot more deeper. So if you're a DVA member, head on over to um, Inside DVA and go to the Coach's Blueprint and there's going to be a lesson on the libero or you can go to the coaching call replays. So that's just something for you coaches uh, in DVA. And if you're not a coach, that's in DVA and you'd like to be, as I mentioned earlier, head on over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com and sign up for that waitlist so you can get on right away and start getting a chance to attend these live trainings on. And what's interesting is I do these live trainings on whatever our members want. So if you're a coach who really wants a live training on a specific topic, guess what? That's exactly what I do. My live training is catered to our coaches because I want to make sure that I'm training stuff that's relevant to them. I don't just randomly do trainings. I want to do it, make sure it's relevant to them so that they can get their questions answered right away and apply to their team. So that's your libero position. Um, uh, episode here. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some value out of it. And listen, coaches that are that are on this, reach out to me on Instagram. My handle is Brian Singh underscore Coach B. You know, I'm, I'm on the gram. I, I like to make some posts. I have, I've been actually I haven't been as active as I normally am. I normally try to post once a day or every other day, but 
I've been really busy with my season the last couple of weeks. But reach out to me on Instagram. Let me know what you thought of the the, the, uh, the episode or, or any of the episodes for that matter. You know, I like to, I love to connect with coaches, especially my podcast listeners. I love to connect with you guys and see how you guys are doing and, and whether or not, you know, the you guys are benefiting from these episodes or any, or any, any feedback would be great. Um, but that's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. See you guys next week. Take care. All right. Cue the music. Look. Are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training and instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days? When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.